the football. It's on the ground, covered by the Raiders. NFL Rule 3, Section 22, Article 2, Note 2. When an offensive player is holding the ball to pass it forward, any intentional forward movement of his arm starts a forward pass, even if the player loses possession of the ball as he is attempting to tuck it back towards his body. You know, Brady was an inexperienced quarterback. He never saw the blitz coming. He never saw Charles Woodson until it was too late. Rich Gannon vividly remembers the details of a matchup not known as Raiders vs. Patriots, but rather the tuck rule game. Ball gets hit. The question is, was his arm still in the throwing motion? Had he come to a kind of a... Uh, you know, stand still. That question still lingers 18 years later. It's a moment that catapulted a young quarterback named Tom Brady and his second-year head coach named Bill Belichick towards legendary status while launching the Patriots dynasty. After reviewing the play, the quarterback's arm was going forward. It is an incomplete thing. <laughs> Those 14 words delivered by Walt Coleman on a snowy New England night in January 2002 perhaps changed the course of football history, remaining one of the NFL's most controversial in-game decisions. I think it's safe to say, well, it depends on the outcome here, but this will be talked about quite a bit, you think? We certainly still talk about the tuck rule, and now we have a chance to discuss the tuck rule game with Gannon, who is enjoying a renaissance with the Raiders after finding a late career groove with head coach John Gruden. Both of them on the verge of a Super Bowl. We are showing a lot of great games on the CBS Sports Network, including on uh, Friday, April 17th at 10 p.m. Eastern. CBS Sports Network will be re-airing the divisional round matchup between the Patriots and Raiders, infamously known as the Tuck Rule Game. Uh, tune in to classic NFL games on the CBS Sports app or CBSSports.com by logging in with your provider. The first obvious question. Uh, by, by the way, Amy Trask already got mad at me for bringing up uh, old old Raiders things that were not awesome. So I, this is not a comfortable thing for me to do two weeks <laughs> in a row. But uh, – Will you watch this game? Absolutely. You know, I've, I've watched it before. Um, you know, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I can remember, you know, it was a night game. I can remember sitting in that hotel room uh, and, and just watching the snow come down, you know, all day. And then we got on the buses and we headed over to the old stadium at, at, there in Foxborough. Last game ever played in that stadium between the Patriots uh, and, and the Raiders. And, of course, for the chance to go to the AFC Championship game. And really a game that really, uh, I think, defined both organizations. You know, John Gruden, that was the last game John ever coached in Oakland before going to Tampa Bay. Uh, obviously, the Patriots going to win their first Super Bowl. Um, it was really a defining moment. And it's it, you always look back and say, what could have been? If we would have won that game, you know, we had, I think, had a good chance of winning a Super Bowl. John probably would have stayed in Oakland. Instead, yep. he gets traded to Tampa Bay, and then we play the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl the following year and lose to them. So anyway, it was just a, it was just a, a really a, a, a transformative moment in Raider history, and one, quite frankly, that uh, didn't go the way we had planned. It's crazy how the butterfly effect of some of these plays in NFL history, like, I mean, literally, just the like the tuck rule comes into play and it launches a dynasty for the Patriots. I mean, maybe they don't win the Super Bowl. Maybe Bledsoe gets his job back. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't think that's the case, but I mean, maybe. And you know, you guys might have set up a dynasty in Oakland. It's amazing how that that game really, um, you know, really set off a, a, a number of different things. And you know, I think I, I can remember there's a number of things that happened that, in that game. You know, if when I look at it, when I thought about that game, you know, heading back on the plane after the game. 
you, know, you always think about what I could have done differently, right? What we could have done differently on offense. There is two plays as you watch that game uh, on Friday night. There's two plays in the fourth quarter offensively in that drive where the game was over. Charlie Garner gets fast with his footwork on one play uh, where Steve Wisniewski, our guard, is pulling. If Charlie would have taken the right track and not been downhill so fast, uh, Steve would have gotten a kickout block and Charlie would have probably hit his head on the goalpost and scored. Instead, we pick up a couple yards and then – that same possession, we have a third and less than a yard, and we block it wrong. Uh, and we run 14 blasts, which was our staple short yardage play. We get stuffed, and you just barely get back to the line of scrimmage. We punt the football. Brady gets it back. They drive down the field. Vinatieri kicks that big kick to send the game into overtime. And then we never step back on the field. Like, leading up to it, um, you had been drafted by the Patriots originally. Like, did you hold a grudge with New England at all, or was it oh, uh, sort of you know, whatever? No, you think about draft day stories. So I got drafted by the Patriots in the fourth round, and I remember getting a call from Dick Steinberg, the general manager, and he said, hey, congratulations. We're excited to have you. We're just looking to find the best position for you. And I'm like, excuse me? (laughs) I'm like, I'm a quarterback. What are you talking about? And so I called the Patriots back two days later, and I said, hey, look, thanks for the opportunity. certainly a privilege. I'm going to go to law school. I was accepted to law school. My dad was an attorney, and so – I just said, I'm going to go to law school, but thank you. Yeah. And then, and then four days after that, I got traded to the Minnesota Vikings. And so I never wound up going to law school, but, um, you know, I was serious about it because I felt like if I had gone to New England and, and put on some shoulder pads, different shoulder pads and a different helmet and tried to play defensive back or, you know, running back or something like that, it, it wouldn't have worked. And I had never done it. I never had any training. So I wasn't foolish enough to think that I could tr- tr- trade, you know, change positions in sure. the NFL and make it. You know, Rich. Back, is it true the story back when you were coming out of college, a coach came up to visit you at Delaware and he wanted to see you do the backpedal because everybody was talking about him being a defensive back and he said to the coach, hey, look, I'm not doing no backpedals. If I play in the National Football League, it's going to be as a quarterback. Right, and there's also like, you know, I mean, any, anytime, you know, like you, this is what you've done. You've been a quarterback at, to the point where, you know, you're being drafted in, in the NFL. And like the idea that someone says, hey, buddy, you're not a quarterback anymore is just, it's personally insulting. I mean, like, that's why any, any of these guys, you know, when, when, when they said Lamar Jackson needs to be a running back or a wide receiver, whoever says it, like, Lamar Jackson's going to be insulted, right? Or, you know, whether the guy's right or wrong. Yeah. It's, and it's one person's opinion or a couple people's, per, you know, opinion. It's just, it doesn't necessarily define who you are or how it's going to turn out. And I just think I had a lot of confidence that I could be a good quarterback. And as it turned out, I went up playing 17 years. I fooled him, you know, long enough to, to, to last that long. But I just think that, I knew, I knew if I got the right, in the right position with the right training, with the right coaches that I, I could play. And so, um, you know, it worked out for me, but, um, you know, it's, it's hard. People think, well, he's, he's, he's a really good, uh, receiver. He could be a great tight end or he's a, you know, he could play. It's hard to switch positions when you haven't really done it at that level. It's one thing to say, I'm in high school. I'm going to make, I'm going to make a position change here or even an early part in college. When you get to the NFL, the speed of the game, the size of these players, the schemes and everything, it's, it's a really difficult task. Well, so that Raiders team in particular, I mean, it felt like, I mean, I, and I remember it because I, you know, I mean, this was, I was in, uh, like I was in college, uh, we remember watching all of these games at like our college house and, and the, you know, the, like how great y'all were. I think we, we all bet on the, we would, I would always bet on the Raiders over on Sunday night. Cause it was, you know, you guys, you guys just piled up points. Uh, and we, we would parlay it with the, uh, the, the Clippers over well, for whatever reason. I don't know why that always happened. It always matched up, but, um, we, we, you know, watching those guys, like a bunch of gamblers. Yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. What can I tell you? I don't know. That's pretty bad. We were, we were living on the house on Groveland down in that, down in downtown rally. Uh, but you know, it was like a mix of like the perfect timing of like all these, 
veterans. Charlie Garner in the backfield comes off 158 yards against the Jets. He's with Richie Rice and Brown, the wide receivers. Roland Williams is the tight end. You know, you talk about Charlie Garner, who fit the system perfectly. You know, you these receivers, these older receivers who got on the same page as you and, and still a bunch of young talent. It was just kind of a perfect meld of, of, of young talent and, and veterans who were kind of peaking at the right time for that team, right? We did. I think John was a great coach. Um, he was, he did a terrific job identifying talent. You know, I, I can remember the conversation that we had with, uh, with each other about Jerry Rice. He said, he said to me on the practice field one day in the spring, he said, I think we can get Jerry Rice. I said, are you kidding me? Yeah. No, he says, but you know, Al Davis doesn't think he can run anymore play. And I'm like, I think he's better than just about everybody we have, you know? And I knew if we could get someone to pair with Tim Brown, that it would really it would help us, but it would help Tim, and, and you know, and, and now we'd have a real one-two punch, and it was that that was just that was perfect. Quick pass, and that's complete. And Jerry Rice, with his first catch of the night, has enough for a first down. When we got when we got Jerry. Not only was he a great player, but he was great in the locker room for our young players. He, he brought, um, you know, he brought uh, a great deal of professionalism, attention to detail in terms of how he went about his you know, his approach to the game, to, to working out, to training, to studying. He was just a, he, he was terrific. And I think we started bringing in more of those type of players, high character guys, guys that took great pride in their preparation performance each week. Um, all right. So that team was rolling into the playoffs, obviously playing extremely well. Um, you know, and you get to, you get to play New England and this is not the, you know, this is obvious. It's not the Patriots. It's not the Patriots the way we know them now. This is a, a team that's, you know, been very good all season, but Tom Brady's a game manager. He's, like you he said, he's a young, inexperienced quarterback. This evening, and one of the things we were talking with Tom Brady about two days ago was whether or not he'd be nervous today or not. And he said a teammate came over and said, you know what? After the first snap, it's just another football game. You believe that? Um, you're going into the snow. I think John Gruden has since said that he didn't think it was that cold. What, what, what's your recollection of, you know, the, the, the environment there in, uh, in Foxborough? Yeah, it was, it was magical. I mean, we went out there and, and, uh, you know, you have the snow falling and, and, uh, you know, it was just, uh, it, he's right. It wasn't very cold. Uh, the wind wasn't, uh, a huge factor. It was just really the conditions on the field. The, the footing wasn't great. Uh, the po- the snow started to accumulate. You couldn't really see the numbers or the, or the hash marks or, uh, even the boundaries. So that was a challenge. Um, you know, in hindsight, when you have conditions like that, uh, I, I think it, it benefits the offense in terms of throwing the football. The field, I think the footing is going to be a little bit of an issue, and I think that catching the ball is going to be a little bit of an issue with the flakes. I don't think the quarterbacks will have a problem throwing it. At least it didn't look like they did pregame. And if you really watch that game, particularly in the second half and in the overtime, that's all the Patriots did. They just threw the football. Because you put the defensive backs, like you're – obviously you can run forward easier than you can run backwards in slippery snow, right? Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, it's hard. It makes it hard on the defensive linemen and the pass rushers to, to rush the pass so they can't really get good footing. It slows down the pass rush a little bit. As you point out, you know, the, the defensive backs, the corners and the safeties, they're a little concerned about their footing. They're not exactly sure where the receivers are going, whereas the receivers do know where they're going. They know the depth they need to get to. They know, you know, they know where they're going to cut. So they're not reacting as much. And so, uh, yeah, it certainly benefits uh, the passing game. We probably should have thrown the ball more in that game, but we were in control of the game in the second half. We had plenty of opportunities. As, as I said, you know, we really, uh, we, we hurt ourselves. We had a chance to ice the game there in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, that last drive, and we didn't finish at all. Yeah. Uh, Janikowski field goal late in the third quarter, 13 to three. Tom Brady scores on a, you know, six yard rush is 13 to 10. 
And, um, yeah, I mean, kind of walk us through the setup. There's a buck 50 remaining in the fourth. The Pats have it. You know, first and 10 at the, at, at the all's 42. We have 13 to 10. And yeah, so we talked a little bit about, you know, Brady had taken over for Bledsoe in the Jets after the Jets game. And, uh, you know, Mo Lewis kind of knocked Bledsoe out of the boundary. And so Tom came in and I think did a nice job, but he wasn't the most experienced guy. And so we catch him with a, a, a perfect blitz. blitz. He doesn't see it. He's late to react. Uh, you know, like, like most young quarterbacks, he, he just immediately spun away and looked the opposite direction of the blitz, but not realizing it was a zone pressure. So we were blitzing one side and dropping the other. And so once he realized that he was kind of stuck, he had nowhere to go with the football. He was, he was going to get sacked. I think he didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to put the ball on the ground. Well, I think it happened so quick for him. He was stunned. And by the time he tried to react, Woodson hits and knocks the ball out. Lost the football. It's on the ground. Again, when you watch, it's kind of funny because Brady sticks his foot out to try and trip Greg Beekert, uh, knowing that he can't get to the ball because he's wrapped up by Woodson. Beekert falls on it. Covered by the Raiders. Our sideline erupts. In that game, we felt like it was over. I mean, we just had to go down and kneel on the ball a couple of times. The game's over. And, as it turns out, um, you know, they, they put together, um, you know, a couple more plays to drive. And, and really the kick, you know, it wasn't the kick in overtime that won it. That was a short one, but it was the kick to send the game in overtime. One of the greatest kicks I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. and of course coming from, you know, one of the, one of the greatest kickers in the history of football, Adam Vinatieri. I mean, this is the Patriots season on the line. The kick is away. It is good. Uh, that thing barely made it. It was kind of a line, a line drive. Um, didn't have a lot of height to it. Uh, the footing wasn't great. I know he was out there uh, prior to the kick trying to, you know, clear off some snow. But um, it, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing that that game got into overtime. And, and then, you know, the, the problem with overtime is we go out for the coin toss, we lose a toss. Patriots get the ball. And we sit there and watch and go down and kick another field goal. And that, that's kind of how the game ended. The Patriots win it, 16-13 in overtime. I can remember, uh, to make matters worse, you know, you know, the locker rooms there were terrible. We had to deal with the media and, the, and all that kind of stuff. Then when we finally boarded our buses, we got to the, the airport. The plane couldn't take off oh my God. You know, because of the snow. So we wound up, you know, staying on the buses for a couple hours and didn't get back to the Bay Area until, I don't know, probably 9 o'clock the next morning. So it, it, was, a, it was a long, uh, difficult, painful way to end the season. And then – you know, about about four or five days went by, and I would always meet with Gruden, and, and we'd talk about, you know, kind of, um, you know, at the end of the season, we'd kind of rehash the season, where we could get better, things we had to do differently. And I can remember going into his office, and he had all the lights off, and he was just sitting there, and he wasn't doing well. And I just got the sense, he didn't say it at that time, but I got the sense that that was probably his last game as head coach of the Raiders. Well, and for John Gruden, an excruciating end to his season. Well, you see the despair all year long. You fight so long. You think you got the game won. A replay brings it back, and then you lose in overtime. Okay, I want to get back to the play in a minute, but I am curious. Like you know, he you could tell that he just felt like I mean, it, it, it just it just pulled it apart. Like it was just it was just too much. Yeah, he he indicated. You know, I I think it. You know, it was not an easy place to work. I mean, you know, Al had you know Al had been. Um, you know, he, he was getting up there in years and, and, uh, I, I think there was, uh, it was kind of a, uh, a challenging relationship. I think Al had some strong opinions about what he wanted to see. And, uh, he was very involved in the personnel decisions when it came to the draft and free agency. And, 
and even the final cut down for the roster. I think John had some difference of opinion on some of those things. Uh, and I think the relationship began to, to, to uh, uh, you know, have its issues. And I think there was, a, there, was some, there was some talk about John getting a contract extension during that, the lead up to the playoffs. And I think they had agreed in principle. And then when John got the contract and the agent, there were some different things in the contract. And so I think that was the, the end of it. I, I think John had basically had enough and, and they kind of, uh, you know, had some conversations. I wasn't aware of them at the time. I just know going in, I knew John so well. We were like brothers. I just knew him. So I knew something wasn't right. And when I went into his office, he said, sit down. Let me tell you all the ways, you know, that, that, you know, we've, you know, we've been, you know, we've, and he kind of went back to his history with the Raiders and all the bad things that happened. Yeah. I just yeah. felt, you know, maybe this is not, this isn't going to end the way I thought it was. And then I think it was shortly thereafter that I found out that, you know, Al traded him to the Buccaneers, which, you know, uh, in hindsight, I think anyone who's been around football would tell you that, you know, Al was a brilliant, you know, Hall of Fame legend, um, you know, a maverick. But that was the worst decision I thought he ever made as the owner of the Oakland Raiders. I mean, you could easily argue that it cost him a Super Bowl. But, I mean, based on just like, like – yeah, I mean, might have been multiple, might have been multiple Super Bowls. We had a really good team. I mean, we had a, the team that year, the year before. You know, we, we we had some really good teams. We had gone to the AFC Championship game. Um, you know, we went back to the the divisional round. I mean, we 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 were we were rolling. We were bringing in the right type of players, and, and so um, you know, we go to the Super Bowl the year after without them. You know, so um, so we. It's a shame because I think if John would have stayed, we would have. Things would have ended differently, certainly for um, for the Oakland Raiders. I, I think we could have gone to multiple Super Bowls because he, he's a really good football coach. I mean, he's still doing a good job coaching football right now. Back to the play, though. I mean, like, and how was was Gruden? Were you older than Gruden at the time? No, John's about a year older than I am. Okay, but, I mean, but, I mean, like you you mentioned your brothers. I mean, I think you were thirty six that the year the the Tucker game. So I mean, like he you know he's thirty. He's he's a very young head coach at that. Oh, moment. no question. Yeah. That, that that relationship is crazy because you just don't see that sort of like what the closest now is like McVeigh and Jared Goff. Yeah, no, I, yeah, but you know, you know, John and I were um, were birds of a feather. I mean, we 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 pushed each other, we encouraged each other, we cursed at each other, we yelled at each other. Um, but when it was over, we we're you know after a game, that's the first guy I looked to hug in the locker room. I mean, I just had great respect for him for his body of work. He did an amazing job preparing us for games each week, particularly me. He'd give you these real detailed quarterback tip sheets on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, and we'd have so much. You know, he would install the, the package of plays and he would install the game plan, and he'd meet us meet in the quarterback meeting room. He basically coached the quarterback. He basically called the offense. He basically was the head coach. He, he wore a number of different hats, but uh, he was very innovative. He was very aggressive. Uh, he he was an excellent play caller. I still think he's an excellent play caller. And I think they're going to get things turned around there in Oakland. I, I, he's committed to doing it the right way. Um, he's worked hard to change the culture and the environment there. They're trying to bring in the right type of players. And I think he, Mike Mayock, and, and Mark Davis will, will get this thing turned around. Um, just to go back to the play question, I hate to keep bringing up the tuck rule, but like how long, how long did it feel like Walt Coleman was doing that, that oh, forever? They are going to under two minutes review whether or not Brady's arm was in motion or whether, whether it's an incomplete pass or a fumble. That's right. I don't think there's much 
much doubt, Greg, but because I think there was so much confusion, uh, you know, on the boundary, and then you know, it's just the snow was coming, and we were, we were cold. We we're sitting out there. It had been a long game, and we we're just waiting to you know figure it out. And, and you know, I remember having a conversation with John on the sidelines about, hey, look, here's the situation. We're going to go down. You know, we're going to kneel on it. It's the game's over, and and next thing you know, um, we get the call. Reviewing the play, the quarterback's arm was going forward. It is an incomplete pass. <laughs> Second and 10 on the 42. Wow. And John just blew a fuse. I mean, you, you look at John Gruden's reaction on the sidelines, he is ready to kill, you know, Walt oh. Coleman. So, um, but, you know, and I just think that um, there, there was a lot of, discrepancy in terms of the interpretation of the rule and, and what happened and did Brady stop his arm. And, and I, it's funny because um, short, I think a couple of weeks later, we Brady went to his first pro bowl. And so we're together in Hawaii in the locker room during the week. And I'm, and I'm talking to him and we're talking about the play and he's got a smile on his face. And he says, yeah, he says, I, I never saw Woodson until it was too late. He told me exactly what happened. Just as I described it, he, he gets, he got fooled. Tried to throw hot. It wasn't there. He pulled the ball down, uh, and then, you know, the ball got knocked out. So, but it is what it is. It's, uh, it's a part of NFL history and, and, uh, I get a chance to watch it again on Friday night. You think it's the most controversial play in NFL history? I think it's one of them. You know, I think you look at the immaculate reception, you look at the tuck roll. And when they start naming, they start naming, you know, yeah. Plays and games, the tuck rule game, you know, it's something happened. Something significant. Or it's something, you know. And the uh, funny thing is, is a lot of these games involve the Raiders, right? I mean, I know John Madden to this day. The Holy Roller. Won't talk about the game. You know, the the NFL films and everyone else has asked them to be on these programs and to talk about it. Uh, I think Peyton Manning just did a a big breakdown on Peyton's places about the, the immaculate reception where he got, you know, Franco Harris and Terry Bradshaw and, and, uh, you know, a bunch of, bunch of guys together to kind of reenact what happened. Uh, but, you know, John Madden wants no parts of it. Do you think, do you buy into the idea at all that it was a conspiracy against Al Davis? I know that people, which is ironic, by the way, it's like a conspiracy to help the Patriots now. You know, like, like if you told people back in the day now, I mean, like, do you think it was, was there that, did people talk about that at all amongst the you know, Raiders in the building? I don't, I don't believe it. And I, I, quite frankly, that was a problem that we had internally and something I really dealt with for the six years that I was there. I can remember coming over from Kansas City. When I was in Kansas City for four years, we absolutely dominated the Raiders. I think my four years, they were seven and one against the Raiders. And, and so we really owned that rivalry. And I can remember coming from Kansas City to the Raiders my first season in Oakland and, and hearing players say, well, the refs don't like us. The refs call holding calls against us because we were, you know, black jerseys and they can see our hands and all, all this foolishness, this nonsense. And I said, guys, you know, until you realize that this is, this is just what, what a, it's just, it's, it's, it's a loser's mentality. It's, until you start realizing that this is not the way the league works. The commission doesn't hate the Raiders. The officials don't hate the Raiders. The officials have jobs to do. They got to call the game the way they see it. If they don't, they get graded on every play and every game. They don't do a good job. They don't get a chance to work playoff games and Super Bowls. I mean, this is how it works. But there was that, that mindset, that mentality, and it, it was not, it was not productive. It was not conducive to winning. And I worked hard, long and hard, uh, during my tenure as a Raider to try and eradicate that mindset to talk about, Hey guys, let's just go out and 
and play good football, play smart football. Let's not be the most penalized team in the league every year and complain about it. Yeah. It's when you start, when you spend enough time around people in the league office and around NFL teams, A, you realize there's a, look, there's so much bureaucracy there. Like there's not some like secret little room where Roger Goodell is hatching evil plans against owners he doesn't like. Now, you know, if there's an opportunity, you know, look, power struggles happen in every business. You know, that, that may be the case, but there's no evil conspiracies out there. And like imagine a referee trying to like spending his time trying to call fouls against the Raiders because he doesn't like, because the league doesn't like Al Davis instead of like, just refing a game is hard enough as it is. And you point out they're graded on every single thing. Um, you mentioned you would have been, you think you guys would have won the Super Bowl that year, right? I think we had a really good team. I, I, I do. I think, um, you know, we had the firepower and offense. We were one of the better offenses in football. We were balanced. We could run the football. We had two really good backs and Charlie Garner and, and Tyrone Wheatley. We had a really good fullback. And, John perfect, like thunder lightning combo too. Oh, we did. We also had Zach Crockett, who was, you yeah. know, the, probably the best short yards and goal line back in football. We had a good offensive line, a couple of pro bowlers on the offensive line. Um, and, you know, we had a, a, a really good deep, deep defense that could rush the pass. We could play covers. We had some, we just had a really good talented team, two good young kickers, Sebastian Janikowski and Shane Leckler. So we really felt like we had a chance to do some damage, but it was all for naught after after that game and, and heading home. And then I think the biggest the biggest blow was really losing Gruden. That that was I knew it was at the time it was a really bad decision, and ultimately it came back to a haunt the Raiders. You know, our, that 2002 season was um, the last winning season that the Raiders had. I think like you know 12 years or something like that. You know, it was a long uh, won 12 games with um, uh, Del Rio and and. That's right. One year. Yeah, so it was, it was a it was a uh, it was a drought, and uh, they had so many. I think they had a stretch of ten years where they had like seven head coaches and twelve different quarterbacks. You know, so uh, it was they, they brought Norv in after Bill Callahan was, I presume, fired because Al Davis yep. were fired yep. everybody. Um, and then Art Shell came back the second time, which was like his version of Joe Gibbs, and then right. he tried to recreate Gruden by bringing in Lane Kiffin, and that's when things just went real sad. Yeah, there was, you know, there was some crazy decisions there. And, and, uh, you know, I just, you know, it was just a, it was a low point in the history of the organization. Some really poor decisions that, that ramifications. I, you know, the one thing I know is important when you look at great organizations in, in professional football, there's a couple of things you have to have. You have to have continuity, consistency and leadership at every level of the organization, owner, uh, general manager, head coach, quarterback, and the Raiders just had so much turnover during that stretch that it was just too much to overcome and a big reason why uh, they kept having losing seasons. Yep. Um, well, listen, I feel, like I said, I don't feel good about um, going down memory lane, like you're stuck in your house, but, but thank you for doing it, Rich. Uh, no, people can uh, tune into CBS Sports Network on Friday, April 17th at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we'll re-air the divisional round matchup, the infamous Tuck Rule game. Uh, and you can watch these on the CBS Sports app and cbssports.com by logging in with your uh, provider. Hey, man, thanks so much for the time. And, uh, you know, like, I know, I, know the, I know the season didn't end well, but, like, it was an incredible year. And then what, you won MVP. What was you, was, you won MVP after Gruden was gone, though, right? Yeah, the following year, yeah. So 2002, yeah. So 2001 was our last year with John. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, no, look, it was it was great. Uh, I had a great run in Oakland. I loved, loved playing in there, loved being a part of the silver and black, and, and uh, enjoy the game. 
It should. I, unfortunately, uh, I, it's hard for me to watch the last couple of minutes. <laughs> Turn it off at the last few minutes. Thanks again, Rich. So as Rich turns a dial at the 150 mark of the fourth quarter, we don't need to explain much about what happened next. The Patriots beat the Steelers in the AFC Championship game and stunned the Rams in the Super Bowl after that. And to be as cliche as humanly possible, the rest is history. As mentioned, Gannon won league MVP the following season and shared the record for the oldest to win the award until Tom Brady stole that from him too, as he was named the MVP in 2017 at age 40. We hope you enjoyed our trip back in time to the Tuck Rule game. As always, thanks for listening and talk to you guys soon.